This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio brings you prescribed listening from our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Well, we are back. It's summertime, and we have to be caring for our largest organ, and that is our skin, especially as we age. There's more to think about than sunscreen, though sunscreen is a good place to start. We need to familiarize ourselves with age-related skin conditions and why it's important in some cases to get a proper diagnosis as well, because some of them could be signs of an underlying condition. We're here with our trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association, John Papasturgiu. And before we say hi, John, I'm going to give the numbers out again because, as always, he's ready to take your calls and your questions on this and other pharmacy-related issues. The numbers, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Hi, John. Hey, good to be back. Okay, so... Uh, should we start with sunscreen? I think so. I think, you know, the skin is that organ that people tend to forget about, especially as they age. You know, you've got other chronic health conditions and they kind of say uh, people start to think more about, uh, you know, their high blood pressure, their, you know, cholesterol, their kidney function, some of these other things. And they tend to ignore their skin. But the skin is a very important organ. It plays a huge role. And when you get into the summer and temperatures like these, you got to protect it. And that means staying hydrated, making sure you've got sunscreen on, looking for kind of changes in your skin. Uh, if you've had moles your entire life and those things start to change, it's some, you've got to bring this up and you've got to get looked at. We see the you know, incidence of skin cancers going up globally as well. So these are the things that I think uh, all of us have to be more aware of. You know, it can be hard to get people to wear sunscreen, especially on the face. And uh, if you're a little bit vain, there have been studies that showed that that using sunscreen on your face all through the year, even in the winter, is one of the best anti-aging things you can do. They compared in Australia, where they have more sun than we do, people who did and people who didn't. And those who did had far fewer signs of aging. Absolutely. And I mean, that's one of the first things you see before you get to the more serious consequences. It, it is the wrinklings, uh, the wrinkling that starts and kind of the, the sunspots and all these other things. So absolutely. And the sunscreens nowadays are much better than they used to be. I mean, if you remember, even going back, like when I first started in pharmacies about 15 years ago, the sunscreens were thicker. They were, uh, you know, harder to kind of rub into your face. They would leave a really thick uh, layer. The newer sunscreens now are micronized. So even though they have physical sun blockers in there, like if you've seen the real good ones, they go on so smooth. They almost blend right into your skin and you almost don't know that you have it on. 
The challenge that some uh, people have is they put it on once uh, during the day and they think that's enough. And the reality is with uh, with sunscreens, you got to reapply them. So it depends what you're doing. I mean, if you're swimming, you're going to put them on more frequently. Uh, but generally, we say at least every few hours if you're out and about because you're sweating through that, you start to get uh, you know parts of the skin that's no longer protected. So it's something to think about also. Okay, let's get to some of those other age-related skin conditions. So you're talking about moles, you're talking about uh, basal skin cancers. That's right, absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, we start to see this, uh, uh, you know, obviously as you age, especially uh, in those areas that are exposed to the sun. In uh, many men, you start to see it as they, as they start to lose their hair on the top of their head. I have many <laughs> patients like this. Sorry. Uh, yeah, but that's, I mean, that's where that's they, happening you know, the, to first, my husband. Yeah, the first signs are. <laughs> Pay attention to these things. They may look minor. The kind of the the advice that I give the patients is if you have had something that's been there forever and it starts to change, that's something to look at. Cancer cells are very they grow irregularly. So if you have something with, you know, very normal borders, like they, it looks regular, generally that's something that's okay. If you're concerned, still get it checked out. But if you start to see abnormally, like shaped moles, uh, you know, don't have those fine edges, uh, uh, new kind of things that pop up that look abnormal. If they're bleeding, it's a bad sign as well. Go in and get it looked at. I mean, because the earlier you catch these things, the, the, it's much easier to remove them and, and the treatment down the line is much simpler. And also. probably, I mean, I had a thing on the top of my head and I did go to the doctor with it and she told me, well, that's an age-related yeah. blah, blah. I forget what it's called. Absolutely. She did, but I'll, I'll take it off for you. I would rather have it off than have it on because you never know. You never yeah. know. And, and absolutely, the vast majority, I don't want to scare the listening audience, vast majority of these things are, are benign. They're nothing. But it's, you know, the, the, the small percentage that are more serious that could become potentially life-threatening. And, uh, you know, it's hard for a lay person to differentiate yeah. what's serious, what's not. you got to get an expert to, to have a look at it. And uh, uh, once they do, uh, you know, they'll either remove it, uh, get it biopsied, and you'll get some results, and you won't have to worry about it. Or in, in, in your case, uh, sometimes they just remove it anyways because yeah. they say, hey, potentially down the road this could become problematic, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So uh, that's one thing. Uh, what about other skin conditions like you rosacea? Know, yeah, you know, the one thing that, uh, you know, people tend to forget about it. And, and I mean, uh, for me is an area because I do a lot of work in diabetes. Uh, it's the feet. Uh, the feet are, are part of your skin. Uh, they tend to dry out uh, all the time. And we know many uh, of our patients, about 30% of them now, have some type of diabetes, either type 1 or type 2. And what we find with the feet, people aren't managing them. Patients that get uh, uh, diabetes, they tend to have neuropathy. So they don't actually feel right. the damage that's happening because their sensitivity uh, in the periphery is getting uh, uh, less acute. And what happens is that skin starts to break down. And when it breaks down, that's when you get these secondary infections, cellulitis. It's actually one of the leading causes of amputation. Anyone with diabetes out there, you should be getting your feet looked at at least annually. And it always starts with the skin breakdown. And uh, once that skin breaks down, it takes a while to get it uh, uh, kind of back to normal because you can get these ulcers forming and everything else. And, you know, how do you manage it? It's just with some simple foot creams. You know, that's all you need. You can buy them. They're not expensive. Just apply them. That keeps uh, uh, the, the skin hydrated 
keeps it supple, keeps it moist, keeps it healthy. Uh, when it starts to dry out, that's when it breaks down. And if you have diabetes, you're actually probably not even know, aware of the fact that it's breaking down and you get these other infections that can be very problematic. Okay, I'm going to give the numbers out again because I know that a lot of our listeners do have diabetes and I'm sure that most people are aware you have to take care of your feet, but it's not necessarily so simple. So the numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free one 866-740-4740. I'm here with our trusted contributor, John Pepistergio. We're talking about skin care, especially in the summer, especially as we age. But as always, he's ready to take your calls on all kinds of other things. So please feel free to call and ask away. And you know, it's interesting with, with dry skin on your feet. You know, I have a spot that gets very dry and it's unbelievable how painful it is and how hard it is to get it hydrated and part of it is from sports and stuff but it's ridiculous and that and the problem is for you i mean you you're at least sensing that pain and our patients with diabetes they don't sense that and that's the problem uh, you know a lot of times they're unaware that the damage is being caused and it just continues to progress and progress kind of a, a related issue since we're talking about the feet is these fungal nail infections that's kind of considered part of the dermis as well uh, in in patients with diabetes, they're more common. And what happens is you get, uh, you know, this fungus growing on the nails. Yeah. It may look really bad and people think, oh, it looks bad. And that's, you know, uh, the only concern. But actually, that fungus that's growing on your nails could cause a cellulitis as well. And then it just becomes a bigger problem uh, uh, that we have to manage. And there, there's some good topical treatments right now, uh, a product called Jublia uh, made by Valiant. It's very, very effective. Uh, it's topical. And I, I keep repeating that because because historically you would have to take oral medications to manage these fungal nail infections. And do you need a prescription for it? You do need a prescription for it, uh, uh, but the oral medications were really hard on the liver. And uh, uh, now we have a therapy that you, you know works very, very well, almost as good as the oral meds. It's topical. It's almost like a nail polish. You kind of paint it on. And can you use it with nail polish? You can, absolutely. Yeah, we. I try to tell people, try to avoid it for uh, for a little while, but you actually can if it's necessary. It penetrates the nail bed very easily, so you could cover it after. Really? Yeah, and, and, and people aren't aware of it. The only problem for our seniors, it's not covered, unfortunately, by Ontario Drug Benefits, so you do have to pay out of pocket for it, and it's not cheap. It's over $100 for the pretty small bottle, but it works very, very well. So I think down the line, if you're, if you, especially if you're a diabetic, a diabetic and you have these risk factors, I think it's worth uh, getting these uh, uh, nail infections treated as well because they can, can cause problems down the line. Do you think that the summer is a more dangerous time for people who are diabetic? I think so. I think for uh, many reasons. I think uh, it's very easy to get dehydrated in the summer if you're out and about. Patients with diabetes are more susceptible to that, obviously. Um, I think uh, I think in general, uh, it, your diet may change. You're not monitoring as regularly. Uh, you're busier. You're not tending to uh, uh, take maybe your insulin uh, as you should. And the other thing is pa- pa- patients tend to travel more. Uh, when uh, in the summer, and I find they get off their regimens when they're traveling, and that can be very problematic for patients with diabetes. I think it's uh, uh, you got to be adherent to those regimens. I think uh, oral or insulin. I mean, I think uh, both are very, very important. But what we're seeing is the incidence keeps growing, uh, going up and up here in Canada, and it's something that we're 
we're having to manage in community pharmacies. It's just, uh, uh, it's almost an epidemic. Well, it, I believe it is, it an, is ep- an epidemic. It is actually, an epidemic, yeah. and, and a lot of it has to do with lifestyle. Yeah, Libby, yeah. it all starts with that. I mean, uh, uh, you know, diabetes is one of those things that creeps up on you. I mean, uh, type 1 diabetics, I mean, they're, they're predisposed genetically. They've had it since they're young. But those type 2 diabetics, if you can make those lifestyle changes in that pre-diabetes stage, you could either delay the onset dramatically or just reverse it. And uh, a lot of times it's as simple as the diet, exercise, watching what you eat, uh, eating, keeping uh, an eye on the sugars. Uh, and, you know, I had a patient actually came in uh, uh, last week, uh, or, you know, he came in a month ago, and uh, we did some, and we have the ability now in pharmacies to do what's called an A1C test, so you could see the patient's A1C, and it was creeping up and up. Uh, it really scared him, you know, he, he went uh, uh, back home, changed his lifestyle, and this was in the span of a month. Watched what he was eating, started to exercise. The guy dropped like 15 pounds in a month, which is not good uh, yeah, as a healthy way to lose. But I think he panicked. And he came back and we repeated some of this, uh, these biomarkers. And they were all normal. And it was, just, I mean, it wasn't simple for him to do that, but it was as simple as changing his lifestyle. He didn't need to go on any medication. Not that simple, as no, you point no, out. Yeah, Absolutely. And this is, I mean, we all struggle with it. And, uh, uh, but it's making that commitment, and he made the commitment. Now the hard part for him will be, can he maintain it? Because many patients, after three or four months, they just slip right back, right? Yeah, it's it's hard. And I mean, I think you know that, John. Know, You've absolutely. taken off weight. You've started yeah. to, well, it's been a long time since yeah. you exercised. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but the guys, uh, you know, at the gym, they're keep they're they're on my case every single day, and even you're there me, every single day. I, well, I try to go. Okay, I'm not every day, but okay. I try to go four <laughs> four times a week. And uh, uh, Dimitri and the gang, they're they're always, uh, you know, pushing me. But it's uh, you know, I've made the commitment to kind of be part of that environment, and I keep going back and I schedule it in. But uh, even for me, I find if I sleep, I travel a lot, obviously yeah. speaking at events and whatnot, and you you go away from home, and all of a sudden your routine's gone. I was in Spain. I gained three pounds in Spain just by, you know, going out, going out for dinners, you know, having a couple of drinks. Probably, sucked probably the, eating later than eating. You, well, in Spain, they start yeah. eating at 10 o'clock there. Yeah. So it's, I mean, yeah, and it just threw off my whole kind of routine. And then you get back and the guys are at the gym. Are, what happened? It was like six days. But it, it doesn't take long to, to slip back. And I think it really is a lifetime uh, commitment. And being able to do that is not easy. But it prevents having to go on these medications, and that's uh, uh, that's something we, uh, you know, once you get on, it's hard to come off. I find. Well, and the the other thing is that you mentioned, you know, gaining three pounds yeah. for a guy is not huge. But yeah. if you're on that three pounds and you get rid of it right away, if not, you know, you wake up four years later and it's twenty pounds. That's, that's, well, that's what it is. It just keeps like it keeps yeah. uh, piling on. It's a, a negative cycle. So it's being aware of it and trying to do your best, but. Uh, baby steps, and it doesn't have to be a huge change, but start with small changes. Okay, let's hear from John in Pickering. Hello, John. Hello. Uh, I have a question for the farmers regarding Valsartan. I, I heard on the news the other day that certain Valsartan medications are being recalled because of there's a, some sort of cancer agents involved in some of them. I take the HCTZ, and I'm wondering if you could update us on the Valsartan situation and also with HCTZ, it's one of the ones that's affected. Yeah, g- great question. Uh, this is something that pharmacy's been dealing with uh, 
for uh, the last week or so. We've been calling all our patients uh, that have been on certain lots of Valsartan. So the combination product, I think, is okay. So you should be just, okay. Just, yeah. ju- uh, just clarify for yeah. us what, what it is, what it's used for. Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry. It's a, 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 it's called an ARB, an ARB. It's a high blood pressure medication. Okay. So it's very, very common, actually. Many of our patients are on this. So when I saw the recall, because uh, it comes to us pretty much the same time it goes to the public, and we just kind of kind of have to act on it. Uh, I couldn't believe it because it's one of those drugs that's very, very common. And what, what had happened, I guess, somewhere in their production, it, there's some impurities that have gotten uh, caught up in the production of the Valsartan uh, uh, capsules or tablets there. And uh, um, they, they say uh, the impurity is a potential carcinogen. So what I'm telling anyone that's on it, and John, just to be sure, what I would do is call your pharmacy and check the lot. It's not the end of the world because I don't have. There's there's a bunch of different ones that were there, and I don't have them all memorized. So I think uh, if you haven't had a call from your pharmacy, you're probably okay. But just give them a call and say, hey, I'm on this lot number. It should be on the box, and make sure it's okay. I'm pretty sure the combination one uh, is fine. Uh, the one uh, John said there, he's uh, his is combined with HCT, uh, which is hydrochlorothiazide. It's just another water pill. Uh, but just double check for me because I don't have them all memorized and I think it's worth having a look into. The problem is there's not really any good lots of Valsartan left right now. We can't get any more in so we're actually having to switch our patients to other medications and it's been it's been a challenge. So if you're on Valsartan work with your pharmacist Great thing is there's a ton of um, uh, you know good alternatives that we could put you on, but we're going to have to uh, work with your physician as well. But this is something Libby we're seeing more and more frequently in in Ontario. Uh, uh, either uh, manufacturing issues, back orders, stability issues, and it's something that uh, the public and pharmacies unfortunately are having to deal with. Okay, John, uh, is that okay? Did we get you your question? Yeah, thanks. Oh, okay. Uh, we have to take a quick break. We'll be back with more of your calls and your questions for John Papasturgio. We're just talking about a recall of a drug called Valsartan. And John mentioned a very good point. This is happening more and more, either a recall or a shortage. So if you have questions about that, he is here. The numbers to call before we go to break, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And we'll be right back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. I am with our trusted contributor, John Papasturgio, and he's taking your calls and your questions. We've been talking about how to protect your skin during the summer. What came up is a question about a medication that was recalled. And so let's first take a call from Mike in Mississauga. Hi, Mike. Hi, beautiful day again. Yes, another beautiful day. So I'm, I'm calling, I don't know, maybe I should have asked a dietitian something like this, but I'm somebody that never gains weight. The only time I ever gained weight was I had a health membership for a year, and you know I worked out and light weights, and I gained about five pounds. I'm 5'10". I usually carry about 135, but right now I'm, I'm down to about 120. Okay. And... You know, I how tall are you? Sorry, five ten. Five ten. Yeah. Okay. So, are there so, any combination of foods? Uh, you know, if you eat them in certain certain like different in the morning. For example, there used to be that the old grapefruit diet where you eat a half a grapefruit in the morning. It would help you lose weight. I don't know if that was ever true or not. But is there any combination of foods or any like do those supplements actually work? The ones that you see at the at the at the drugstore or, or at the health store. Did yeah. you lose weight 
quickly that weight, that 10, 15 pounds? No. Oh. No, okay. You, you, that was due to a stress-related job. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, uh, this is a good question for two reasons. Actually, you remind me of my friend, my good friend Arvo. The guy could eat anything, and he never gains any weight. Uh, but th- that's a, an issue in its own right because you want to, even though you're not putting on weight, you want to make sure you're eating the right things because we're seeing so many patients that you see them there. They look, uh, you know, relatively healthy, skinny, whatever, but they still have dyslipidemia, right? So their cholesterol levels are high because their diet actually isn't great, right? And as you age, that becomes a bigger, a bigger problem. Um, uh, in the case of you wanting to put on some weight, and that's fine as well, especially if you're exercising, what I find uh, works well is you can get uh, the weight gainers, right? So they're usually uh, high-calorie, high-protein kind of mixes that you can make uh, smoothies out of. Those will actually help you put on weight. What I don't want you doing is like just loading up on foods that are high in saturated fats and, and whatnot, because you'll gain weight that way too. I mean, it depends how fast your metabolism is, but that's not kind of a, those aren't good calories. And my concern, Mike, is as you're aging, it's normal for that metabolism to slow down a little bit. So you'll see your, your weight may start creeping up a little bit normally as well. But um, I'm okay with those, and I do recommend some of those weight-gaining products. Uh, generally, they're just high, very high in protein. As long as your kidney function is okay, uh, you know, it's extra calories that you add on to your regular meal. At least it's a safe way to add weight. But you got to combine it with working out. If you're not working out, you're not putting on that muscle mass. Because that's where you want the weight to come from. You don't really want to gain fat. You want to you want to gain uh, lean muscle. And uh, uh, for you, it may it may be it may just be hard because your metabolism is so fast, right? Yeah, I've been pretty lucky. Uh, the most I ever weighed, believe it or not, was 160 pounds. I had this job way up north working at a fire base, and I started eating as much as the fire the forest firefighters ate. They were eating like three pork chops every meal, and I started eating eating with them. These guys were really huge, though. Well, yeah. one, 160 for 5'10 is still uh, pretty slim, actually. Yeah, yeah it's really so, slim, yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're yeah. probably just one of those fast metabolizers, and that's okay. But my advice to you is, to, uh, you know, uh, try to try to put the weight on properly, and let's not put on fat. I mean, there's no point in that because in the next few years you're going to be wanting to lose it, and that's the thing. Uh, uh, I think you want lean muscle mass. Uh, protein is great uh, as much as you could eat, and uh, and see where that goes. Thank you very much. No problem. Okay. I guess that's a, a problem that a lot of people wish they had. Have, but just one thing I want to point out: if you if you suddenly lose weight for no reason, oh. you got to go get it checked out. Absolutely, that's a good point. Yeah, weight loss that you're not it comes very quickly. Uh, that's a very very uh, you know high risk for a cancer or something like that. You want you got to get in and get that checked out, uh, especially if you haven't changed your diet or you're not exercising. Really good point, Libby. Okay, Jane in Mississauga. Oh. Hi, Jane. Yes. Yeah. Hi, Libby. Um, I have a question about uh, my skin on my the palms of my hands. It's been getting worse and worse over the last couple of years, and it's at the point where it cracks very easily, and it actually can can be kind of extra sensitive, painful. It's kind of like alligator skin. It's very, very tough looking, but it's not. And I'm looking for some kind of an emollient or a cream or a salve or medicated something that I could uh, get some relief from. 
Yeah, you're gonna need uh, you're gonna need something that's really thick. I think when it gets to that point where the skin is actually like breaking or splitting, that's really really dry skin. So you you need an emollient with a humectant. So the humectants actually draw water into the skin. One of my favorites are the Euromol products. You can get them over the counter. Uh, Euromol 20 is kind of one that or or 10 that I recommend. And what you've got to use it regularly. It draws water into the skin. It acts as a physical barrier. But there's a ton of them now. If you go in and you speak to your pharmacist, I think for you, and given that, I mean, it's going to be a little annoying because it's on your hands. And and if you're using a thick cream, uh, you're not going to want to do that during the day. But generally what I tell patients to do is put it on at night, uh, at bedtime. Some people will even put it on gloves, believe it or not. And Well, uh, that makes sense because you don't don't want to get it all over you and bed sheets. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I was thinking of doing that. And I was on my way to the pharmacist today, but decided against it for some reason. And I, I will go in and and p- uh, try and find it. But Euromol, can yeah, you Euro, try that? the Euromol one. Euromol twenty. Uh, use it uh, every night. Wear some gloves if you can, uh, so you don't get it everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and I bet you in a couple of weeks the skin will start looking a lot better. If it doesn't, then we'll use an even thicker one, right? You can put some really thick barrier creams on there, um, which is okay. Uh, they're annoying to deal with, but at night it should be should be not that bad. Sure. Okay. No, I'll definitely will try it. Thank you. Okay. okay. Thank you for your call. I, John, I know that you wanted to look up some of yeah. the lot numbers of that recall drug because it's a very common drug. Yeah, so I thought I'd bring this up because there's a ton of them. So generally, uh, so to John's question there, and I, I, I was pretty sure I was right, and it turns out I was, the combination product, John, if you're still listening, with hydrochlorothiazide is okay. It's only the single source ones that are a problem. But they're all the strengths. So Valsartan, 40 milligrams, 80 milligrams, 160 milligrams, uh, uh, across many different manufacturers. So Teva, Act, Sando, Sanus, uh, Prodoc, I don't even know that one, Civim. There's a lot of different generics that are implicated here. Pretty much across the entire, uh, you know, a line of single source Valsartan products, the lots are too many for me to read. That's why I think we're just kind of, uh, if you're on that product, probably has to go back, uh, talk to your pharmacist. We don't actually have a replacement for it right now, anyway. So it's not like we could give you another Valsartan when you come into the pharmacy. What are some other drugs that might be a replacement? Yeah, so for it? I mean, uh, we're, uh, you know, Almatech is one. Uh, where we may have to put you back on an ACE inhibitor, which is generally first line. So things like Ramapril, uh, you know, Captopril. Um, uh, there's a bunch of them now, Libby. There's so many alternatives. This is a good thing for high blood pressure. The problem is we can't automatically substitute it in the pharmacy. So we're going to have to talk to your uh, physician about that. What I'm worried about is people stopping, uh, because they've heard this uh, kind of press release, uh, stopping the Valsarn and not going in to get something else. The challenge with high blood pressure, although it's inert, you can stop your medication, your blood pressure will slowly start to creep up. And there is a reason we're trying to keep it down. So we don't want to trigger, you know, a cardiovascular event, a stroke or something like that. Good thing with Valsartan, if you stop, it doesn't shoot right back up. It takes a while, uh, actually. But 
guys, if you're listening, get in there, talk to your pharmacist, let's get you on another therapy, because this is something that you're going to be on chronically anyways, and the physicians are generally just dealing with the pharmacist over the phone, so we're able to kind of, I think, make that change. Oh, okay, but, so the, you, they won't even have to go in to see the for doctor? For the most part, that's what I'm finding. Most physicians, if we give them a call or send them a fax, uh, they're aware of this as well, so they have whatever drug they've got kind of in their mind to substitute with. Uh, we're making recommendations as well, obviously, but uh, I think the key point here is we probably won't have Valsartan for a little while now uh, based on this recall, so we're going to have to put you on something else. So so people who have it should check to see if they're recalled, and should people who have the other kind make sure that, that there's enough supply? Yeah, the, so the combination one should be okay. I think the problem is there's not going to be supply even if you're on the other lots. Eh? I mean, those are probably old lots. I imagine most of our listeners who are on a single source Valsartan probably fall into this because the list is huge right now. So uh, I'm not sure exactly. They didn't tell us what exactly happened with this uh, manufacturing process, but uh, let's get it. Let's, uh, you know, just verify that you're, if you need to get it switched, let's get you on something else. Okay. That's all the time we have for Fight Back for today. Thank you so much, John Puppesturgiu. Sounds good to be here. Okay. Uh, Our trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.